1: Welcome to the Profound Medical First Quarter 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A brief question-and-answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It is now my pleasure to introduce your host, Mr. Stephen Kilmer, Investor Relations. Thank you. You may begin.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. Let me start by pointing out that this conference call will include forward-looking statements regarding PROFOUND and its business, which may include, but is not limited to, expectations regarding the efficacy of PROFOUND's technology in the treatment of prostate cancer, BPH, uterine fibroids, and palliative pain. Often, but not always, forward-looking statements can be identified by the use of words such as plan, is expected, expects, scheduled, intends, contemplates, anticipates, believes, proposes, or variations, including negative variations of such words and phrases, or state that certain actions, events, or results may, could, would, might, or will be taken, occur, or be achieved. Such statements are based on the current expectations of management. The forward-looking events and circumstances discussed in this conference call may not occur by certain specified dates or at all, and could differ materially as a result of known and unknown risk factors and uncertainties affecting the company. Including risks regarding the medical device industry, economic factors, the equity markets generally, and risks associated with growth and competition. Although Profound has attempted to identify important factors that could cause actual actions, events, or results to differ materially from those described in forward-looking statements, there may be other factors that cause actions, events, or results to differ from those anticipated, that's debated, or intended. No forward-looking statement can be guaranteed. Except as required by applicable securities laws, Forward looking statements speak only as of the date on which they are made, and Profound undertakes no obligation to publicly update or revise any forward looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, other than as required by law. On the call today, representing the company are Dr. Arun Menawat, Profound's Chief Executive Officer, and Aaron Davidson, the company's chief financial officer, and senior vice president of corporate development. With that said, I'll now turn the
3: call over to Aaron. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our first quarter 2020 conference call. On behalf of the management team and everyone at Profound, I would like to thank you for your ongoing interest in our company. And for those of you who are shareholders, we appreciate your continued support. I will turn the call over to Arun in a moment for an update on our commercial activities. However, before I do, I'd like to provide a brief update on our first quarter 2020 financial results. To streamline things, all of the numbers I will mention have been rounded and are, therefore, approximate. For the three-month period ended March 31, 2020, the company recorded revenue of $1.6 million, an increase of 6% from $1.5 million in the first quarter of 2019. Expenditures for R&D increased $161,000 for the 3 months ended March 31, 2020, compared to the same period in 2019 due to increased spending and testing for R&D projects and additional systems applications, reimbursement of consultants, and option awards to employees. This was offset by decreased salaries and benefits from decreased R&D personnel, lower software and hardware costs, and an overall decrease in general R&D expenditures. General and administrative expenses for the first quarter of 2020 were higher by $1.5 million compared to the three months ended March 31, 2019. The $1.5 million increase was attributed to salary increases and bonuses awarded to management, options vesting during the period, increased costs associated with being NASDAQ listed, Including insurance costs, increased software costs for cybersecurity, and an overall increase in general costs. Overall, the company recorded a first quarter 2020 net loss of 3.6 million or 25 cents per common share compared with a net loss of 2.9 million or 27 cents per common share for the same three month period in 2019. During the first quarter of two thousand twenty, we closed an underwritten offering of common shares, including the full exercise of the underwriters over allotment option, resulting aggregate gross proceeds of approximately forty million dollars US. Net proceeds will be used to fund the commercial launch of TulsaPro in the United States and on the continued commercialization of TulsaPro and Sonolive globally. We also retired our twelve and a half million in principal amount loan with CIBC almost thirty months ahead of its maturation date of July 29, 2022. This extinguished all of Profound's long-term debt and translates to total estimated net interest payment savings of nine hundred thousand dollars. As at March 31, 2020, Profound had cash of sixty-one point nine million dollars. With that, I'll
0: now turn the call over to Arun. Thanks, Aaron. On the 2019 year-end call, which was about two months ago, I talked about what we see as the value proposition of Tulsa, particularly focusing on its potential flexibility in treating a variety of prostate disease patients. Today, I will focus on our initial commercial experience in the United States and our market entry strategy, including the three primary market segments or delivery channels. I will also update you on the reimbursement process and its status. As you already know, the first commercial patient in the U.S. was treated in early January, representing the culmination of several years of development. During the first quarter, the first two TELSA commercial sites became operational in the United States. Our goal has not only been just to demonstrate that TELSA is a viable treatment for prostate diseases, but also to confirm the value proposition of its flexibility and the ease with which new users could adopt the technology, as well as to garner patient feedback on the tolerability of the treatment. Our initial experiences bode well on all of those fronts. Both of the first two sites came up to STEAM quickly and have treated a variety of prostate disease patients, ranging from whole gland ablation of prostates with high-risk disease, whole gland intermediate risk disease, partial or focal prostate gland ablation, and even ablations of large prostate with BPH. We are satisfied with this start and pleased that what we observed in Europe is being duplicated in the United States. We are particularly happy to learn that the patient's feedback on treatment tolerability is very positive. Patients are appreciating that TELSA is a one-time, same-day procedure and have reported minimal pain after the procedure, with many of them indicating the return of their erectile function in as little as 24 hours. We are thrilled with this feedback as it confirms our belief in the long-term potential of our technology. Let me next elaborate further on our TELSA US market entry strategy, having discussed on our last call its focus on three delivery channels. The first channel includes urologists who already specialize in cutting-edge alternative treatment of prostate disease, knowing that today's options do not meet the standard for their patient population. We are delighted that Dr. Sianti in Sarasota, who is considered the leading urologist specializing in ablative treatment, has become an early adopter of Tulsa, and that his partners are already beginning to visit him as they consider expanding their practices. Our strategy is to continue to focus on such leading-edge physicians who are already believers in ablation therapy and value the Tulsa technology for its ability to expand the patient population, that can be treated. We will continue to focus on such physicians with the goal of partnering with their local imaging center to create a Tulsa treatment center. The second, and we believe the most important channel from a long-term perspective is imaging center companies. The second US Tulsa site, Bush Imaging in the suburbs of Atlanta, represents such an imaging center channel. They're now able to provide a complete solution to their patients from prostate disease MR-based diagnosis to MR-based biopsy and mister Tulsa treatment. This complete solution is a strong proposition for the site as well as a comfort to patients knowing that the same doctor they trust For disease diagnosis, is now offering TELSA treatment. We are impressed with the speed with which Bush Imaging adopted the procedure, having treated their first eight patients within the first two weeks of installing TELSA. So far, in Q1, we initiated one site in each of the first two important channels, and both are meeting our expectations. As you know, we also have a multi-site agreement with the largest imaging company, LADMAX. Their site initiation did get delayed. We believe that it is a 90-day delay, but due to the uncertain times, we plan to remain flexible. The third and strategically very important channel is the creation of center of excellence at teaching or opinion-leading hospitals. Our pipeline for such hospitals is significant, and none have indicated anything but enthusiasm for Tulsa, but because their priorities have been on the coronavirus, new installations are delayed. We do not believe that the delays will last any longer than necessary and will most likely be 90 days, but because of uncertainty, they could be as long as 180 days. Our plan is to remain flexible during this time and shift our focus to imaging centers. These centers are not directly involved in treating coronavirus patients and generally feel that this is a good time to evaluate new therapeutic options. Our experience in the US is also consistent with what we saw in Europe. The European Tulsa Imaging Center sites Continue to operate during their shutdown. But three of the teaching sites did experience a 90-day shutdown. Now that Europe is starting to open again, all of the teaching sites have indicated that they are restarting their TELSA program in the near future, and we plan to support their restart. In summary, we consider each of these three TELSA Pro delivery channels to be unique and a key part of our strategy to drive adoption. We plan to tailor our genius support program to fit the needs of each unique channel. For example, we are working with RedNet and the Bush Imaging Center to help educate their urology community and with the teaching hospitals to drive the next generation of clinical publication. We are also working with all channels to provide the appropriate content for their social media presence. In terms of our expected number of sites in 2020, we originally anticipated agreements with about 20 sites by year end, with approximately 15 of those operational. We now believe that the time to achieve these numbers may be delayed by a quarter, perhaps two quarters, due to a COVID-19 pandemic. While we don't have a lot of visibility into the rest of the year at this early stage in the Tulsa rollout, I think it's fair to say that revenue impact from these potential US placement delays may well be somewhat offset by higher than anticipated per system utilization should that continue. Although Tulsa is only operational in two sites so far, we remain excited by the early success of the rollout in the U.S., particularly the greater-than-expected initial procedure volume and the variety of patients being treated. We are receiving physician feedback that supports this. One physician said that when evaluating a patient for prostate disease, the question should be, when should I not use Telsacrox? Of course, the TELSA probe procedure will not be appropriate for all patients, but feedback suggests that TELSA probe may potentially be one of, if not the first treatment option that will urologists and their patients consider. To further support TELSA Awareness, I also encourage listeners to visit our newly launched TELSA probe procedure patient website TulsaProcedure.com. The site has been designed to provide up-to-date information on where the TELSA procedure is available, both within the United States and internationally, as well as contact forms to reach out to each center directly. I also encourage listeners to visit independent patient websites like inspire.com to read unsolicited, unfiltered patient feedback. The URL for the TELSA specific chat board is fairly lengthy. So rather than spelling out here, I ask you visit inspire.com and simply search TELSA. I'd now like to conclude our opening remarks by providing an update on our reimbursement strategy. As discussed in our last call, in late 2019, we submitted an application for a healthcare common procedure coding system C code from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, for the Tulsa Pro procedure. Also, as I had mentioned previously, we see reimbursement as a three-year process. Since we initiated that process with the C-code application late last year, we have had an opportunity to meet with CMS and also with a number of hospitals. The feedback from these discussions, as well as from our consultants, is that there is a possibility that an existing code could apply to TELSA. For that reason, we have asked CMS to set our application aside for now and allow the hospitals to decide if they would like to use that existing code. We don't see this as a positive or a negative. Rather, we see that as a continuation of the process. If the existing code does get accepted by the hospital, indeed, it would be a positive because it would move us ahead sooner. If it is not accepted by them, we would resubmit our CMS application with a high level of confidence that a new code would be issued. In either case, we will provide updates as development unfolds. So, to summarize what we're looking forward to in the near term, one, additional TELSA Pro fight agreement. Two, expanding TELSA adoption, both in terms of procedure volume and types of patients treated. And three, progressing TELSA Pro's reimbursement strategy by pursuing the most appropriate reimbursement code. This ends our prepared remarks for today. With that, we're happy to take any questions you might have. Operator.
1: Thank you. We will now be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star two if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, that we pull for your question. Our first question comes from the line of Josh Dunning with Town and Company. Please proceed with your question.
4: Hi, good evening. Arun there, and Aaron, thanks for taking the questions. Congrats on all the progress you made this year. I was hoping to start start just on the Tulsa Pro sales funnel. It, it, it sounds like it continues to build in all three channels, but I don't know if there are any incremental details you can provide about where you, the sales funnel sits today or pipeline funnel versus two months ago at the at the end of the year nineteen call. And then just what can you do here in this COVID era to, to help cultivate increased demand? Um, and do you have a, a virtual uh, I guess marketing platform? Have some of these urologists uh, been experiencing downtime and have you have you been able to reach reach out to more practices and more surgeons over the last weeks to months?
0: Josh, thank you. I hope you can hear me okay uh yes, I think the the pipeline certainly continues to build. I think we're we're not quite comfortable giving explicit numbers, but I think that during this time, certainly even the large hospitals where they are busy with the with the pandemic, I think the urologists are certainly quite open to listening and learning to the next technologies, and yes, we are holding webinars and education programs for for these channels. And so, we are doing that for uh, imaging centers, small imaging centers. We're doing it for neurology communities that are associated with certain imaging centers. And certainly, we're doing it for teaching hospitals also. So, I think that is the reason why certainly the feedback, as I mentioned in our prepared remarks, the feedback certainly is quite positive that as soon as they can and do want to open. Um, in a couple of cases, we do have schedules already in place to to get started. But um, I think uh, I can certainly share with you that generally uh, the pipeline is good, and as things open, we feel okay, we feel good. Um, and we certainly will take advantage of the fact that a lot of urologists are interested in learning through virtual and we are uh, doing those conferences. Great. And then just to
4: follow up on. I, I and
0: Josh, Josh, I, Go ahead, yeah. Josh, sorry, Aaron,
3: Aaron, I just add, I don't think anyone has fallen out of our funnel and we've added to the funnel in the course of the last quarter. I also think we've had an interesting pivot where we've said, okay, the ones that we thought we could close in the second quarter may not get closed in the second quarter because they're, you know, the ones that were in opinion-leading hospitals who basically shut down. Uh, And we pivoted our our sales and marketing team to independent imaging centers or independent urologists where there happens to be an imaging chain who's open and ready for business. And – Timing-wise, we may just replace some of the opinion-leading sites we thought would be opening Q2 and may now be opening Q3 or 4 We may be able to replace some of those with independent imaging centers or independent neurologists and imaging chains. So I'd say um, the funnel's stronger. So when Arun, Arun, I don't mean to be overly bullish, but I, I want to be clear that the funnel's been added to and we haven't really lost anyone.
4: Well, thanks. Thanks for those extra details and. A follow-up, um, just in this COVID-19 era, I don't want to make too much of a stretch, but but you, you commented on the the volume, the demand that your centers uh, are experiencing um, in the United States. Could could we should we be thinking about patients with localized prostate cancer or even BPH seeking out ablative treatments, MRI-guided ablative treatments in imaging centers or surgical centers outside of going to the hospital that there will be this you know fear factor for patients to uh go to an epicenter, uh, which hospitals will become of COVID for for prostate therapy. I don't want to get too aggressive. Yeah. But are you seeing any of that? It may be too early. But just wanted to bounce that off yeah. and I have one more follow up.
0: Sure. No, well, Josh, I think that this is exactly how we see it is very cautiously certainly uh they we are hearing of those. We are certainly cautious. So there are, you know, pluses and minuses in the last few weeks for sure. Uh certainly the imaging centers uh they see this product as a significant revenue generator. As I mentioned, the full solution approach becomes very strong proposition for them. We see all of those as positives and we see that continuing to happen. Uh, we are certainly hearing of the fact that patients would prefer to go to some place other than the hospital during this time. Uh, we're also hearing that certainly in the last few weeks, uh some patients do not want to travel. So because these are, you know, just a couple of centers or we are in a limited, uh, we're in an early stage, uh, there are a couple of um patients who have sort of said, okay, I'm going to delay it by a few more weeks um, before I'm ready to travel. So uh, generally, I think the answer is exactly we're cautious, but we are certainly, there are certainly hints of those possibilities going forward.
4: Great. And my last question, just you you appreciate your updates on the path forward for reimbursement. Um, Can you give any more detail on the existing code, what level of reimbursement? Does it afford, um, and any timelines associated with that decision by CMS, or should we be thinking about it? it Did you describe that centers should just use that code currently, uh, and and that will be reimbursed, or is there another, I guess, decision we may be, by CMS, to open up that existing code? Thanks again for taking the question.
0: Sure, sure. Um, So Josh, the as I mentioned, we had phone calls, or we had meetings, in fact, with hospitals and a couple of hospitals, in fact, suggested um, certain MR guided interventional codes. Um, we obviously want to make sure we remain very good citizens with respect to what uh, the CMS guidelines are, and we certainly will follow those guidelines, um, you know, closely. Uh, so we have you know we have indicated that to CMS that we these are the this is the information we have. Uh, we can certainly share with you that that uh it generally is better to be if hospitals agree to be using certain existing codes. Um, and so I think our next step really is to to you know, as they open and as they start to use it, I think to us, that is the key next milestone. Uh, if that happens, I think that it's possible that CMS would simply indicate that this is the way, the way to go. Uh, I think, as you know, we are, you know, hospitals need to make those decisions on their own. And as suppliers of the technology, we should not be Talking about a specific code, we have decided not to, you know, go beyond this point. Uh, But we will certainly, as it develops, we will most certainly, you know, uh, discuss it in our quarterly calls.
4: Understood. Understood. Thanks again.
0: Thank you,
5: Josh.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Raul Sarugaser with Raymond James. Please proceed with your question.
5: Uh good evening, uh, Alun and Eric. Thanks so much for taking my question. I, I hope everyone is safe and, and well as the profound team. Um also want to congratulate you by uh, you know, with based on the strong cash position that uh, you find yourself in, uh, given the wars, uh, the water conversion. Um so my first question is I I think I heard you correctly and you said that the Bush Center in Georgia was had treated eight patients in the first two weeks though, that that's at a significantly higher rate than what we saw at Sarasota. Um could you maybe, you know, give us a little more color in terms of uh you know how that how that's playing out and what how that growth um is expected? Because again, with with Florida it was two patients every other other week and growing to three patients every other week, whereas mathematically this would be I assume four patients every week. So if you give us a little more colour on that, that would be great.
0: Uh sure, I will. I you know I think that um again we're cautiously optimistic uh i would say you know on the positive side um, you know bush center has already been doing this is an imaging center they've already been doing uh diagnostic prostate imaging they have been already been doing uh um, uh biopsy mr guided biopsy so when they added this it really strengthened the proposition and they were able to uh effectively even doing the phase where we were uh, sending the agreements back and forth. They were able to, you know, build their patient pipeline. So I think some of it, what you see is the pent up demand that they had created, to start up strongly. Uh, uh, so I think I would say overall, the 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 concept that a full solution at an imaging center, at a data point of one, in U.S is working very well is that's how we look at it. We need to obviously get gain more of these and get more of them um, to be able to confirm. But as I said, I, think, I do think that we are likely to get at these imaging centers higher volumes than we originally anticipated.
5: That's, that's and you might have more that comments.
3: No, I don't have any additional comments, but it's, it's been pleasant to see the startup uh, rate and the learning curve with our genius services support. It's, uh, it's been very
0: pleasant to watch
3: the uh, developments.
0: Yeah. Raul, I would say in terms of color, I would say the most impressive part to me is the fact that they have, in fact, treated whole-gland high-risk patients. And um and and they because they're imaging, they understand how to do this. It was a very quick learning curve for them to do this and it, and I think as I said it was certainly very pleasing to see that.
5: Um add,
3: add on one more piece. Is it's also very good to see them treating whole gland focal and VPH so the broad spectrum of patients uh in early days repeating what we've seen in Europe is a really nice to, to see.
5: Right. And and, and, the, that, and that the cash pay
3: patient money. demand is there. They're limited okay. more by uh capacity than they are by patient demand so far. Um
5: and that was my third question, so thanks for answering it because I guess I only really had two. Um, so So coming back to uh, the CMS, the questions around CMS uh, and and the C code, um, understanding that obviously there's now an evolution in that process um, and that you do want to be, you know, responsible citizens in in terms of how you access it, uh, could you elaborate a little more on what code it is, uh, you know, what the amount of reimbursement would be associated with that code, and, you know, what would be a reason – for hospitals, they know that they don't want to, uh, to, to apply that code.
0: Sure, well, so first of all, the recommendation has come from the hospital. Uh, so the, it's really a decision that the coders need to make at the hospital. And they are, uh, evaluating that option. Uh, unfortunately because these are hospitals and that's where the, the delays are that it is going to take some time before we know if they are accepting these, uh, the, the current codes. Um I cannot give you the specific number because I think that is up to the coders and CMS and so on. So I'll stay away from providing the specific numbers at this, not, well, C code or anything at this time. Uh, after the events, I think we might be able to, to do it, but certainly today we won't. But I think certainly the additional color is that these are codes that were originally designed for purposes of using MRI guidance for interventional procedures. Uh, we, in fact, talked with consultants who were involved in formulation of such codes and we think that the original intent was uh, in line with what we are hearing from the hospital so i think as i said we are we see this as a process we think this is a very interesting step but i think we want to wait until it is in use and we want to wait until cms then further provides guidance that they will accept the hospital's recommendation before we can, you know, believe that this is gonna be a big, big positive or a big negative or a thing like that.
5: Right, and if you go and indulge one quick follow-up question then. So the essentially the dam breaks open based on the hospitals accepting this code. How does that then flow through to the imaging centers where well, I assume would then also be able to Uh, how would the imaging centers be able to apply to
0: this then? Right. So there there is a a separate process for imaging centers, and we are in the process of evaluating that process also. Um, And I think, uh, again, today I don't have an additional update for you, Raul, but I think as that grows, certainly we'll keep you informed um, on a quarterly basis if if, uh, the development takes place. But I think – Part of the reason why, you know, we talk about the three channels, part of the reason why this hospital uh, is the right place to start is because they have that credibility. They have the infrastructure to be able to evaluate all of these. They have the relationships with insurance companies and so on. And so we want to be able to sort of establish the beachhead through that channel first and then use that, as the guiding principles for the other channels.
5: Great, that's really helpful. Uh, I'll I'll jump back to you, thank you. Thanks, Raul.
1: Thank you. Once again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. For participants using speaker equipment, may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Gagnon with Gagnon Securities. Please proceed with your question.
6: Oh, gentlemen, can you hear
0: me okay? Yes, I am. Good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon. Aaron, first for you, I've never known you to be overly bullish about anything, so it's nice to hear you excited about the pipeline. Um, all right, so the website looks great. Will you be adding new centers when they start treating patients or when they sign contracts or when they begin marketing? Have you thought about that?
0: uh yes, we have Brian. um so that website uh number one it's we've you know we've made it clear on the website that it is a profound driven website and uh our goal is not to have every site um, uh every uh, site on on our you know on our website every treatment site our goal is to really only have those sites that are actively recruiting patients and treating and as time goes on we will set up threshold of minimum treatments that each site would have to be doing in order to qualify to be on that site. So it is really designed for patients where they can see active places Uh, We will, more than likely, will have some sections on where clinical trials are going on as well, but we certainly do not plan to add sites uh, at the contract phase.
6: Okay. Um, On the C code, are there a certain number of procedures that need to be done, either at a hospital or at an imaging center? Uh, to be successful here, I, I, I know in the past some places needed to submit five, ten, thirty uh, procedures before CMS would really kind of take a look at it.
0: So the typical rule of thumb that that guideline from CMS tends to be, you know, minimum hundred patients um, running. Uh, we we think that we will be able to meet that guideline. Um, and so I think from the perspective of volume, uh, we're not as concerned as we were in the last
6: winter. Okay. And then when it comes to virtual training, how are you handling this? We, you know, was the system developed with the idea of proctoring remotely and being able to do this training in this wonderful world we're living in the last eight weeks?
0: So we are, um, as you can imagine, even though we are at two sites, we are most certainly, through our Genius Program, uh providing – we actually have a person typically at the site uh, because we have some amazing people in the company who are driving uh, and staying there, uh and the volume has been there. Uh, but we are – I think our – clinical team is doing a great job of using uh, networking software where they have full visibility of the computer screen. The fact that this is primarily driven by a computer screen, they have full access to the computer screen, and the urologist or the radiologist have full ability to video conference with our clinical expert to provide to be able to answer, you know, any question that they might have. So, the remote Proctoring are actually working very well. Uh, we will continue to, to, uh, add additional features into our software as time goes on. But what we have today is working very well.
6: Terrific. Good forward thinking. And, and lastly, on the, on the coding and, uh, MR guided interventional procedures, is it reasonable to think that that coding could be based around uh, another company that's done brain procedures using MR guided interventional.
0: I think that the key to this is certainly MR guided interventional because um, the way the reimbursement procedures typically work is that they are cost plus, and uh, one of our obviously key question and key uh, message to CMS is that, indeed, this is an MR-guided intervention. So I think that, to your point, I think if it is an MR-guided intervention, um, then certainly it's in the same ballpark as what we we um, we should be in.
3: Excellent. It's in our best interest not to be too specific on this.
6: I understand. Uh, Thank you. appreciate the the color.
1: Thank you. We have reached the end of our question and answer session. I would like to turn the call back over to Dr. Menawa for any closing remarks.
0: Thank you so much for attending the call this afternoon, and please be safe, and we look forward to our next call for the second quarter. Thank you.
1: Thank you. This concludes today's call conference. You may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation and have a wonderful day.
5: Thank you for listening to TSX
0: Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.